Welcome to Tabernacle Talks, the podcast where we gather to explore the heart and soul of Collinsville Baptist Tabernacle. I'm your host, Pastor Gary Boyd, and I'm thrilled to have you join us for these insightful conversations. Each episode, Tabernacle Talks delves into stories, teachings, and experiences that shape our faith community. We bring you interviews and discussions with our fellow church members, leaders, and special guests who share a deep connection with the Collinsville Baptist Tabernacle. From the comfort of your homes, cars, or wherever you're listening, we invite you to embark on a journey of faith, discovery, and community. Together, we'll explore a wide range of topics that are of significance to our church family. We'll delve into scripture, seeking wisdom and insight for our daily lives. We'll hear stories of transformation, faith journeys, and the powerful ways God is working in the lives of our fellow believers. In each episode, we'll also discuss practical ways we can live out our faith, serving our community, and making a positive impact in the world around us. We hope to inspire and equip you to live a life filled with purpose and devotion. So, whether you're a longtime member of Collinsville Baptist Tabernacle, or a new visitor seeking spiritual nourishment, Tabernacle Talks is here to encourage, uplift, and connect us all. Join us as we gather around the digital table, sharing stories, exploring the depths of our faith, and fostering a sense of togetherness that extends beyond the walls of our church. Get ready for engaging conversations, heartfelt moments, and a deeper understanding of what it means to be a part of Collinsville Baptist Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning in to Tabernacle Talks. Let's begin this extraordinary journey together. Today on the Tabernacle Talks podcast, we're joined uh, by a good friend of our church, uh, Brother Alan McFall. And Brother McFall, thank you so much for being here and coming on to the podcast here with us today. Thank you for having me. We are excited to be able to host him uh, with us this afternoon and just learn a little bit more about him. Uh, he's been working for many decades now, and our church has been supporting them for a little while, but it's been a bit uh, since you were able to be with us, and so we're very excited to be able to host you today. Uh, now you're here by yourself. Uh, not all of your That's family right. could be here with you, and so uh, do you want to say hi to them for when this comes out? <laughs> <laughs> Hello to my family. <laughs> well, um, Brother Allen, why don't you get started by telling us a little bit about your testimony, um, where'd you come from, how did God work in your life? I know you mentioned you spent time in the military. Tell us about all of that and uh, just help folks get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Uh, I want to age myself very much here. Uh, it was back in 1983 uh, when I, I had just moved to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, met my beautiful wife and uh, We'd gotten married. We moved to Ramona, Oklahoma, and we was looking for a good church. And uh, the Tabernacle was back was in town at that time, and they had Pastor Larry Kate as uh, as a pastor. And I had just recently gotten saved, and I didn't know anything about the Christian life, the Christian walk. Uh, my wife had been saved for quite some time, and uh, we decided we just wanted to join. Uh, Collinsville Baptist Tabernacle, and Pastor Kate said he wanted to come out and speak to us. And so, yeah, okay. So he came out, and he was talking to my wife, and said, you know, have you been saved? And she said, yes, and she gave her testimony when. And he asked me if I had been saved, and I said, yes, and I gave my testimony when. And he asked my wife, he said, 
He said, have you been baptized, scripturally baptized? And she said, yes. She told where, by who. And I had no idea what baptism was. All right. I mean, that was just, I mean, it, it may be hilarious now, but at the time I was serious. I didn't know what baptism was. And so he asked me and I said, I don't even know what that is. And so Pastor Kate was able to take this Bible and he shared with me. Uh, through the scriptures, what baptism was, what the purpose was, that it wasn't for salvation. It was just like a wedding ring, and it was just the proof, uh, a testimony of your of your faith. And uh, I told him, he said, would you like to do that? And I said, man, I would love to. Where? How? And so, uh, of course, he, he was very happy to say that you know, I could be baptized here uh, in this church, and uh, and that was our start. Uh, shortly after that, if folks that remember, uh, there was a big tornado that came through uh, Ramona, and uh, that moved us out. <clears throat> and then shortly after that, I joined the Air Force, and that's how I got into the military. So, but I was in the Air Force for, for 10 years, and the Lord took me. I was a mechanic, and he took me around the world. And every place I'd ever been, he showed me a need. And uh, it was in... Okinawa, Japan, where I finally felt the Lord was calling me into into His service to follow Him, and we got orders to Shower Force Base in Sumter, South Carolina, and it was there where I finally surrendered, uh, left the military, and we went on deputation to go to uh, Uzbekistan. Uh, while we were there, among other things, we we had English classes. And we had about 150 students that come through our home about three times a week and was able to reach many of them and share the truth with many of them. Uh, but for some reason, some people didn't like what we were doing there. And so uh, we ended up leaving and we went back over to Central Asia and ended up in Kyrgyzstan. And there we... Uh, met a gentleman that started this orphanage, this Friend to Children Orphanage, and he asked if we'd come out and volunteer and to help and to work, and I told him we would. Um, and then unbeknownst to me, they had a meeting, because Ralph and his wife had to leave, come, go back to the States, and they voted me in as the director, which is really, it's very honoring, but they really should have asked me first. <laughs> And uh, so when Ralph finally, he came and he talked to me. And uh, I'd called my pastor, uh, called a couple other men, and they thought this was a wonderful opportunity. And so we prayed about it, and we felt this was the Lord would have us, and I have us to do. And uh, so we took over the orphanage. Uh, God was provided, was able to buy the property just a few houses down. Uh, from the or from the original orphanage, where it was just a house, and they housed both boys and girls. Uh, there was, I think, 12, 12 children at the time, and it was a small house, but uh, was able to build a, buy the property and build a dorm, and we made it our girls' dorm, and so now we can house twelve girls in our dorm, girls' dorm, and then two doors down we can house twelve boys, uh, and so we can house a total of twenty four children. Uh, the height that we had, we had uh, 34 children at one time. Wow, 24 kids. Um, that's a lot to 
to keep up with and to take care of, I would imagine that it requires quite a bit of uh, logistics and administration in order to uh, provide for them and give them what they need. Um, tell us a little bit about maybe just generally speaking, what are some of the backgrounds that these kids are coming to you from? Uh, wh- what are their stories like? I'm sure you've seen many different stories, but but what are these kids facing or what are they dealing with when they come to y'all? Everybody has their own baggage, and, you know, Central H is no different. Uh, Probably the majority of our children come from alcoholic or drug abuse families. Uh, Some of the parents have been put in prison. Relatives, if there were some, they didn't want to take care of the kids. Uh, We've had a few children that have come off the street um, and have been put into our home. Every child that we have comes through the courts, and the courts actually assign them to the orphanage. We don't have the legal right to go out and just pick up kids off the street and say, hey, come live with us. Um, but, I mean, I mean, if you're wanting, uh, some of the stories, just it, it, it'll tear you up. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Sasha, the young gentleman that we just adopted, uh, the reason we adopted him is because he has fetal alcohol syndrome. Uh, his mother was an alcoholic while she was pregnant with him, and, and he got the consequences from it. Uh, we received him when he was three months old, uh, him and his two sisters. And his older sister was was trying her very best and doing a good job. She was about nine years old. She was taking care of her, her siblings, her little sister and her baby brother. Uh, but she was doing just the best that she could. And so the neighbors ended up turning them in and uh, telling them, you know, that the kids were, weren't uh, being fed properly. There weren't any adult supervision there. Um, the younger sister, she had spilt boiling water down, down her front of her and had some severe burns. Um, Sasha, he would have... Uh, if he wouldn't have come to our orphanage, he probably would have died. And we found out later that it was actually illegal for us to accept or uh, babies, infants. They have, it's a baby house, they call it a Dom Malutka, and that's where he was supposed to go. But they have so many babies, and they're so understaffed. Uh, the kids live basically in drawers. And they go through, it's feeding time, they pull all the drawers out, they pop a bottle in all their mouths, they come back, they pull all the bottles out, they go through, they change their diapers. When the kids get to be older and they get into walking age, if they're a hyperactive child, uh, they will actually tie them up to a heater. Uh, the heating system is just uh, like you got a pipe, runs through the, the house and then you got radiators, uh, and they'll tie them up to that pipe so that they can't you know, basically would wander off and hurt themselves. Um, but when we got Sasha, he had uh, also he had what our doctor called failure to thrive. And when a baby or an infant is starved, there's basically three ways. Uh, they can be like Sasha, their body shuts down, says, I don't need to eat. Uh, we had another baby, uh, Daniel, he came to us when he was two months old. Um, he's fine, okay? I mean, he was, he was starved to death. His... His, he had the biggest dimples, but the reason was because he had no fat in his face. Um, his daddy was a drunk, had dropped him on his head. He had a huge bruise right on the crown of his head. 
Um, but I mean, he's he got adopted. Uh, it's a decent family. We we still are in contact with the family today. Um, then we had another young lady. Her name was Leah. She was nine months old, left in her house for. I forget now how many days it was. It was like three or four days. Uh, nobody had fed her. She was just all, she was in the house by herself. And she never got over it. And she has another problem where she don't, she don't, her body doesn't tell her she's full and that she doesn't need to eat. <clears throat> she will actually eat to the point where she'll throw up and then she'll go back to eating again. Um, and so that's something that she's going to have to deal with for the rest of her life. Uh, but Sasha had the, the first one I was saying about where he had spice shut down and he didn't feel like he needed to eat. And so my wife and I were up all, all night, every two hours, just trying to feed him whatever we could feed him. And I mean, he was, he was so skinny. It was, it was really terrible. Um, but today, I mean, he's 13 years old. Uh, he runs, he rides bicycles. You know, he's got some issues with the fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, he'll talk your ear off. Yeah, but uh, I mean, he's he's a great kid, and we're really glad that we've got him. Um, we've had other kids. Uh, one of the young ladies that helps us right now. She's a uh, young adult. Uh, she was raised in our orphanage. Uh, her mother gave birth to her in prison. And right after she was given birth, she was taken from her mother and put in Dom Malutka. And the uh, lady that helped start this orphanage, she, I believe, met her either there or in a different orphanage. I can't, really can't, can't tell you for sure. And brought her into our orphanage, Friend of Children Orphanage. Uh, and so she's been raised there. Uh, she wanted to study to be a barber. We send our kids to, I mean, if they want to go for technical school, if they want to go for college, university, uh, it's been great to see how the Lord has, has provided. And she went off, she wanted to be a barber. And so she went to barber school. She left home. She worked for a while. Things just didn't turn out quite the way uh, that she wanted. It's, it's difficult in Kyrgyzstan if you don't have a family. Uh, the family is the ones that are really instrumental in, in, and if you don't have a family, you don't have much of anything. And so she came back uh, and she we needed help at the orphanage. And so she became our night nanny for the girls' dorm. And right now she's, she's there, she's doing a fantastic job. She'll, she jumps in with the cooking, she jumps in with the maintenance, uh, whatever needs to be done. I mean, it's, it's not just a workplace, it's her family. And uh, that's what we try to do with our orphanage, is try to make it not an orphanage, but make it a family. So, I mean, I could sit here probably for an hour and just give you testimonies of, of the children and their backgrounds, where they've come from. But one of the biggest things is, is when we pray for these kids, Bible talks about fervent prayer. That's a fantastic study. Just the word fervent. Mm. Because we've got some people out there that they they know what fervent prayer is. 
Uh, and we've had some kids that's had some serious issues, uh, some that I really don't have liberty to go into. But I've been able to share with some of our Christian brothers and sisters, and they've prayed fervently. And we've seen how God has moved and how God has, has taken charge. Um, basically, Sasha wouldn't be alive today if it wouldn't, hadn't been for fervent prayer. Uh, a year after we got him, the social worker came back and she saw him, and now he's a toddler. You know, he's walking around. And she said, asked me, she said, is that Sasha? And I said, yes. And she let it slip. She said, I thought he would have died. And, you know, I mean, he was. He was that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he would have died in our orphanage, it would have been a big problem for us. Yeah, our fault or not, it would have been a major problem. Really? Oh, yes. Um but we, you know, we've had some other infants that uh, one of them was actually, we went to the hospital, picked him up, and I have the document from the hospital where the hospital rejected him. He's two months old. The hospital rejected him, said he's a hard case, mm-hmm. not expected to live. And uh, he's a young man, I'll tell you about, that's already been adopted. Yeah. Uh, he's perfect. He's fine. Um, he's all boy. Wow. You know, and so this that's what the prayer does. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we can only do what we can do. Mm-hmm. We're humans, but uh, God does the rest. Wow. Uh, I I think it would be good for us to sit here and just rehearse some of these things. If these are representative of some of the things that y'all have ex- experienced and seen, it's good for people to hear because so often we live in our own little bubble world. Yeah. And we don't acknowledge these things that are happening in real real time, in real life, that deserve our attention. Um, what is the biggest need or challenge um, that you have with this work? Um, I mean, obviously, time, it sounds like emotional energy um, to have to see these things and to take you know, these children in. Uh, and give them, you know, you talk about getting up every two hours. Um, I would imagine that's very taxing. Uh, what is the biggest challenge or need that you all face, you know, trying to help these kids? Uh, that's a very major question that you just ask. Um, I would have to say the biggest need that we need, something that somebody else can do for us, is prayer. Yeah. All right. If we get a hold of God, and like I said, with the fervent prayer, God's going to meet everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know a lot of people maybe sit there saying, "Oh, money. They need money." Oh, yeah, we do, and we go through a bunch of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a gentleman that I was privileged to meet many years ago uh, here in Tulsa, and he's been a supporter of the orphanage. Um, he's he's put like three or four of our kids through college. Wow. And he don't he don't really care where it goes, what he, he says, I give the money to God mm-hmm. and I trust you to do it. And so, I mean, I pray and I ask God for the, you know, for that wisdom. Uh, but I mean, other people have given wonderful gifts. And so if we focus just on the gifts, we limit ourselves. Yeah. We've got to focus on where they come from. Mm-hmm. All right, and they come from God. All right, I understand that 
people are going to give it to us. All right. But God's going to work in their heart Mm -hmm. and they're going to be blessed by God for this. Uh, And ultimately, it's God's work that gets done. And so I would have to say that the greatest need that we have, that we need continuously, is fervent prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, You talk about being in a country uh, like Kyrgyzstan that probably a lot of our listeners, and I only say this because I know, you know, preparing for this, I don't know if I could have pointed it out on the map. Uh, if it was blank, you know, and someone was to offer me a set amount of money to, to identify Kyrgyzstan, I don't know if I could have done it. Um, so how do you, how do you communicate the need for this kind of work to people who maybe don't, I mean, Kyrgyzstan's not in the news a lot. How do we get this need in people's minds so that they are thinking about and praying about not only what they can give, not only for God to work, but maybe that God would impress upon their hearts, you know, what they could do personally to to be a, a part of what what's happening. I think if if uh, the few would get filled up with the Spirit and share it with the many, I think word of mouth is probably one of the best. We have so much social media now. There's no excuse for people to not understand the need. Uh, we send our prayer letters out, and I just tried to figure out between I have prayer letters I send out, uh, I have emails I send out, I have a WhatsApp group, I have a Telegram group, and I was just trying, just guesstimating how many people actually have the potential of hearing and following and understanding what's going on with this orphanage so far around the world. And I mean, it's, it's, so, it's up into the thousands of people that have the potential. But when we send out a prayer letter, or we send out a prayer request, I will get back maybe five to six responses. And it's not from necessarily bodies of Christ, it's, it's an individual. And I know that God said we're two or more gathered together in his name, that he'd be in the midst. But the more people that will gather together and to unite in that prayer, uh, the more powerful that prayer is. We're, we're, we're serving in a dark country. Okay, there is, There's not a lot of light over there. And we need all the help that we can get. And it comes through prayer. Now, if there's anybody out there that through prayer, God touches their heart to get involved more personal with it, we're always there to help them out. Uh, you know, I have, I have nothing to hide, I have nothing to, to, to be ashamed of, of the work that the Lord's given us. And uh, we welcome people to come, and we've had very few. <laughs> but most people say they haven't, they haven't lost anything in Kyrgyzstan. Mm-hmm. So... Well, I'm, I'm going to ask a question, and I think it's probably already clear to the listeners what the answer is potentially going to be. But, you know, as someone that is working in, like you said, a, a place where there's not a lot of light um, in a very um, demanding role, uh, what is a, what, what are some words of advice or what is a request that you would make from the listeners 
when it comes to being a blessing or, um, <clears throat> you know, how they can pray for the work that's going on, how, how would you counsel them or what appeal would you make? One of the first things that I would ask is, is that they would fervently pray. Mm-hmm. Um, the simple little prayer, Lord bless our missionaries, bless these people, you know, that, that's great. That's fine, uh, but we need fervent prayer. Yeah. And the more that you know about what's going on, the more fervently you can pray. And that's why we, I unashamedly, I, I, I send out emails, I send out all kinds of information, especially when there's something that's going on, because I want people to be more informed. If they're not informed, they need to take that initiative to get informed. And it's not just in our part of the world. We need to worry about around the world. Um, you know, there's other places where there's other places where um, you know there's not a whole lot of news. There's not a whole lot of light. If we can get more people that would get more informed, uh, you support missionaries, pray for them, study about where they're at. Uh, read their their letters. If you have the ability, go visit them. Okay, write them an email. Call them. Uh, I've received phone calls before, and one of them came at three o'clock in the morning. But we were going through an issue that was very intense. I was awake. I couldn't sleep. I was praying. Uh, we had some very serious problems going on around us, and. Be quite honest, in a weak moment at 3 a.m., I told the Lord, I said, nobody cares. Nobody knows what's going on. Why are we even here? And at the end of my sentence, the phone rang, and it was a good friend of mine. Uh, and uh, he, very loud, very boisterous, uh, shouted out, Mac, did I wake you? And I said, believe it or not, you didn't. He said, well, I know it's late. Uh, he said, I was just praying for you, and the Lord touched my heart and wanted me to call and tell you we love you. We appreciate you. I'm telling you what, that phone call, that was over 20 years ago, and I have never forgotten that phone call. Wow. Okay. There's been some letters. There's been some handshakes. There's been some, you know, other things that have been said I've, I've forgotten. I've never forgotten that phone call. Mm. When God brings it in, it's important. If God touches your heart, it's right. Yeah. Uh, you're the second missionary in, in a short span that's told me they were going through a time like that. Yeah. And it was one person who responded to the Spirit's leading that made the difference. Yep. And I think there's a lesson for us that when God prompts your heart to be a blessing to someone, especially someone that's, you know, serving, you, you need to follow that prompting because yep. uh, you don't know what kind of impact it'll have. To the world, you may be one. But to wonder, you may be the world. Mm, yes. Yeah. Well, Brother Allen, I'm uh, I'm so grateful to you for being willing to come on and, and share some of these things with us. And uh, I know this episode will be a blessing to our listeners. And we're looking forward to having you in our service here uh, this evening. Amen. So, thank you so much. And that concludes another enriching episode of Tabernacle Talks. We hope you found inspiration and encouragement through our conversation today. Before we go, we want to extend our gratitude to our wonderful guest, 
who generously shared their story and insight. Your voice has truly enriched our community. We also want to express our deepest appreciation to the members of the Collinsville Baptist Tabernacle. Your continued support and engagement make this podcast possible. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. Stay connected with us throughout the week. Connect with us on social media. Join us in our Facebook groups and let us continue to grow together in our faith. If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to subscribe to Tabernacle Talks on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an opportunity to delve deeper into our shared journey. As we part ways for now, remember that you are an integral part of our church family. Let your light shine brightly in your community, spreading love, compassion, and the message of the gospel.